0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello,
1: everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is uh, Wednesday, May 12th. And John, it's been a little while, um, but I think we want to lead off with the most important thing that's happened in the last two or three weeks. And that is Brian Lewerke joining the Spring Football League and with the the alphas anything else do you miss him yet you miss him yet
0: austin
1: i was like yeah yes (laughs) a lot is there a wrong answer to that question
0: so the spring football league a thing i candidly did not know existed until (laughs) very recently just now just now an 18 league six game schedules um, top two teams play for a championship sure i mean you know what football has long needed like a middle ground between college and nfl like a developmental league i guess you would even call it mm-hmm. i think there's I think there's a white space for that probably i don't know yeah i mean I i'm mean, not gonna watch
1: there but, was the xfl that was fun
0: it was for a minute wasn't it
1: um Here's the thing. Is this league and, and I have honestly have no idea whether or not he is in this or not. Was this league not made for Johnny Football? I mean like was he not the the was he not the first call when someone like he had to be the number one overall draft pick. Now that Tim Tebow's a tight end. Uh I feel like Johnny Football was just easily the the first choice in this draft, right? He had to be.
0: I like to think that he was and didn't show up
1: <laughs> or he never knew.
0: Yeah, they just like, oh, okay
1: he was never made aware yeah sure he liked he liked the tweet <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that was it cool guys cool I, sick. I gotta say
1: first I, rounder again
0: so there are no cities like they're just team names or whatever which is fine i don't care but the name alphas is like the cringiest thing like oh, yeah. I, i'm just not a fan of the alphas um I think it'd be
1: cool if they went with the entire Greek
0: alphabet. Um, This just in, um, producer in my ear. Spring League's been around since 2017.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Research, folks, we do it.
0: Oh, Sheesh, good for them.
1: So Johnny Mantel's been involved in this league at some point, is what you're trying to tell me. There's no question that he has not been, at the very least, approached, sent a DM.
0: These games are allegedly on Fox Sports 1
1: the so television could, channel ryan mallet oh is in the yeah. world,
0: best you know known, what best known in my world for when he was at michigan um often found crying at frat parties <laughs> <laughs> he was a cry drunk and he he would cry yeah literally an alpha alpha does not belong on the alphas i suppose yes
1: there there's a betas as well
0: Oh, you you think, but no. I went
1: there. Um, yeah, you know, good for Brian Lewerke, right? We have spent, I, I'll say it, we've spent too much time talking about the Spring Football League.
0: Time but, out. I want to read the name of the teams. The teams. Okay. The Aviators. The Conquerors. The Conqueror.
1: Aviators or the Aviators?
0: <laughs> Aviators. So oh, at least they yeah. can wear cool sunglasses.
1: Yeah. No, that's cool.
0: The Conquerors. Mm-hmm. The Linemen.
1: Okay. Huge fan of that name.
0: <laughs> no passing. You imagine. No passing.
1: It's just 11 guys blocking each other.
0: Wing T, baby. Then in the South right. Division, you got the Blues. Okay. The Jousters. To... <laughs> Medieval. <laughs> the Generals. And then the, and the Sea Lions. <laughs> How whimsical! <laughs> Huge fan of the Sea life Yeah, happen. wow, you—they
1: really run the gamut. Uh, huh. I'm kind of surprised. After you started with with um, the alphas and the aviators, I really thought the next one was just going to be the bros. Like, just <laughs> why? Why pretend? You know, like the the, <laughs> the chill, <laughs> like the lightning or the thunder. It's just the chill vibes. The Vibes, Theo Day, starting quarterback, the Vibes. Oh,
0: oh. R.I.P. R.I.P. That, so that was so sad. That was going
1: to be such a good bit for this season, and I'm just really upset that he had to ruin
0: it. Explain the bit to the folks.
1: Yeah, this is something John and I have been talking about uh, <laughs> offline, as they say in the biz, for quite some time. Um, and it was just that I, you know, Theo Day has since uh, transferred to Destinations Unknown. Um but in watching the spring game, it was so funny to me that he got it, it was legitimately comical that he was behind Noah Kim, not because of Noah Kim's talent, but because Noah Kim like has been at Michigan State for exactly hot like, like here's the thing, Theo Diaz had like four chances to be like, "Hey, I you should really think that I should maybe play." And he looks it's, the part. He, he absolutely looks the part. And I, I I'm Thinking that that might just be as far as it goes, um, but he he shows up and he I think he just comes to, to practice to hang out, man. Like he's Chill. he's just chilling. Like he's he. It was just so funny that after that, when he's clearly now the fourth fourth string quarterback, like in front of only Hamp Fay, who's been there like eight days.
0: Is he uh, in front of Hamp Fay?
1: But, but we don't even know. We're not even sure. The only player he could have been in front of was uh, Hampton, who again had been there for a matter of days. Theo Day coming up on year number four on campus, um, just chilling, you know, taking it easy. I think he uh, he was just there for the he was just there for the vibes. And I'm really sad that his his vibes were taken from us. So so uh, suddenly, but also just like incredibly late in the
0: game. I just like to think that he had no interest in playing quarterback, but liked all of the perks of being a quarterback that had nothing to do with football.
1: I think that's exactly what he's done. That's, I mean, you haven't seen his name uh, pop up in any transfer, anything's yet. So, um, I think he's gonna go to the chillest college possible. And I, honestly, I, I envy him. I I support
0: him. This dude's gonna end up at Pepperdine, and they're like, "Oh, we don't have, we don't have a football team." And he's like, "Ah, it's it's fine. It's
1: It's calculated risk."
0: (laughs) Yeah. What can you do? Who could have known?
1: Really should have looked at the website. <laughs> but what what can you do? Hey, what,
0: what, Exactly. I, I can test that QB3 at a major football, you know, FBS school is your lifestyle is just a thousand times better than any normal students. Like, I don't blame him for not leaving until Mel Tucker was literally like, you don't have a scholarship. Yeah. Not on the team. <laughs> Not a choice. You, you don't even go here. <laughs> you have been voluntold you are gone.
1: Voluntold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's uh, he was processed, as we say. It,
0: as you'd say, yeah. Um, so, man, that was a good start here. Theo Day, bummer, lost him, bummer.
1: Um, in in much much sadder news, other players who are no longer well, never really did. So can you really have loss if you never had at all? Um, Yeah, we we were glossing over it at the beginning. But uh, the big news, obviously, from the past few weeks, one of the pieces anyways, is that Imani Bates has decommitted from Michigan State University. Uh, He is pursuing all of his options, which, again, completely and totally respect. Um, Really no way to sugarcoat it. Kind of just a huge bummer in general that he's no longer uh, committed to play at MSU. Um, I don't think anybody involved in the process necessarily blames him per se. Like, I I can't say that I I begrudge him for making a decision. Uh, and and I reserve the right to change that sentiment. And the reason being is because he did not say that he's not going to play for another college. If he goes to another college, John, I reserve the right to be mad online. Okay. I'm just, that's all I'll say.
0: That's fair. I do see a lot of colleges are offering him now, which is cute.
1: What a concept.
0: <laughs> but it's like, welcome to the moment, everybody. Yes. But, um, you know, let's take a step back. Let's go in the wayback machine last summer. And out of nowhere, I remember, Amani kind of just said he was going to Michigan State. And everyone's like, oh, what? OK. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and, you know, I think. For what it's worth, my opinion is that it was fair to say in his thought process that if there was no one asking, you know, then, or, or rather, if there's no professional route for him to take, then Michigan State would be the option because, like we talked about, no one recruited him. And it's right yeah. next door, so it's like, yeah, okay, but let's 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 dig a little deeper into what else was um, announced that day on ESPN. Hmm. And that very day, before the Michigan State reveal, which you have to imagine helped him secure the uh, slot on SportsCenter, was Mm -hmm. the announcement of new prep school run by his dad, Ipsy Prep. And you could probably, you know, not make a huge leap to say that maybe there was a little bit of... uh, you leveraging the moment of committing to something that might not exist so that you could make a bigger announce or personal announcement like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Hey, play, don't hate the player, hate the game, you know, it's getting free PR, do what you got to do. Yeah, sure. So you know, maybe, maybe that was a prompt for it. And I, and like I said, he probably for all intents and purposes, let's say he never announces or commits to Michigan state. And we're still, you know, it's May 11 or May 12, 2021, and he hasn't committed because that's where he's at now. Everyone would say he's still a Michigan State lean if he were to go to college. Now, that's yeah, true. Changed. Um, the big change is the development of, of some, I guess you would call them minor leagues, uh, professional basketball leagues in the United States, uh, which have become a, a lot more appealing as they've raised funding. Um, need a little bit of exposure and you know who's to say if if that's where he ends up but it looks a lot more likely that these new uh upstart leagues like overtime elite um an offshoot of overtime the uh social media giant would be a landing spot rather than the g league which has no exposure to helping someone build their brand so um, i don't know what do you think Austin?
1: It's certainly possible. I mean, I I think at this point, it's hard to picture him. And this was kind of the case we made the entire time. If he's going to go to college, like it should be really it should be at Michigan State because of its homeschool proximity, or it should be one of the blue, blue bloods. And I hate to even say the D word, but the Dukes, the UNC's, the Kentucky's, the Kansases of the world. I have a hard time seeing him going that route now. Now that he's publicly come out and said, I'm not doing this school, when he said before, if I do a school, this is the school I'm going to do. I just have a hard time picturing him doing that. This seems like a kid who, uh, you know, on his own and at the direction of obviously his, his supporting cast, his parents wants to carve his own path and the G League or overtime elite or some other way is – is something that um, obviously he sees a lot of value in and and believes that he could could carve something out of that. I will say one thing that I'd be interested to find out what the influence is here, and it might be nothing at all, but I would be very interested um, if there's any type of impact that um, LaMelo Ball has had on him in the past year. Because LaMelo Ball... Went from people like, eh, he's he even a top three pick to being one of the better young point guards in, ba- in in basketball. And he took a super untraditional route. Obviously never went to college, went overseas, did his own thing like, at like four different places, and then came to the league and was great right off the bat. Um, I think anybody would tell you that sitting here today, Imani Bates is absolutely a better prospect than LaMelo Ball was. And when he sees it work for him, and he knows that, listen, his – his dad was a more boister- boisterous version of Elgin Bates. Um, you know, I just wonder if, you know, all of the success that these other guys have had on these other paths, you know, really kind of solidified in his mind. Maybe I don't need to go to college. Um, I'll be interested to see what it does from a shoe deal and that type of stuff, because that's one thing Lamelo didn't get when he came over right away. Whereas somebody like Zion did, I still think there's huge appeal there. Um but I guess if he's willing to wait a year for it, you know, Godspeed to him. I hope he's successful. It doesn't change. The only way my impression of a mindy Bates changes is if he is, if he goes to Duke or Michigan, then I get mad <laughs> anywhere else. I, seriously, there or somewhere in the big 10, I'll be furious and, and I'll root, I'll root not against his success, but openly against his team's success. I think that's the right of any sportsman. Um, but as a person, I hope he's successful. I hope wherever he goes, he does really well. And um, I would be surprised if he goes the collegiate route after, again, out of nowhere, kind of opening these doors back up. I got to think. I got to think he has something moving. Because this is a very deliberate young man. Like you said, I think they, and, and his camp is very deliberate. They do everything. You know, Brendan Quinn wrote a great piece on it a few months ago, kind of just examining the decision-making process of his entire supporting cast. And, um, they don't do things without a reason. And I, so that makes me think that, like you said, when they committed, it was for a reason. Um, I think now he's decommitting. It's probably for a reason. And honestly, around, you don't hear Typically if some guys, you know, kind of having a, um, you know, he getting a lot of love from places and things like that, you hear about it. People know about it i've heard none of that with Amani whatsoever so it makes me think that um this kid is really he's got something up his sleeve that is not collegiate
0: you're probably right um I, i'm leaning to here's what here's what he has to weigh he he has one year one year to build his brand and his basketball game up as much as possible and I don't know what order it is for him and his team.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't because you've you got to look at things from a business perspective, <clears throat> the long-term, you know, value that, you know, how much money can you extract from this game in your limited time? And on the table are two, let's, let's call it two options. Three, because I, and the third is the worst, the G League Ignite team.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: at one point that was an option for folks. <clears throat> I can tell you right now, It's not a good one. Go look at their roster. Go look at the guys that went to play for them. Go look at what pick they were in the NBA. uh, Latest draft. Go look at the sponsorship deals they got. Go look at their social media followings. No, no substantial growth, maybe in basketball. Maybe. But again, you're going to put yourself in position because what, what do we always say about NBA draft? What do they love more than anything? Upside. He could be the moment you go play against men and become a little bit exposed, that, the, the man, it, it wears off real quick, okay? So, I'm not saying he's ducking competition, I'm just saying sometimes you go to the G League and you're 17 or 18 playing against men, men that are you know, and you can get exposed, and that becomes not as attractive as the guy who you haven't seen been exposed his game yet. Amani mm-hmm. got exposed. This summer, um, he has yet to play an uh, actual basketball game. He plays in exhibitions, and there are a lot of question marks about his game because he, while has a nice team around him, when they're going up against powerhouse teams, just throw doubles on him. They push him Mm -hmm. around a little bit. People caught up to him, you know, from the size and strength standpoint. Always strength, but just from... A basketball level. And when you're that good, people don't care how all great you are at everything. They focus on what you're not great at. And that's an NBA scout's job. So he has a choice, college basketball or this these upstart leagues like Overtime Elite. And he's got to ask himself, which one's going to put me in a better position to be a top draft pick? And which one is going to put me in the best position to get the best sponsorship deals? And I don't know what order you put that in, but both both options have a lot to offer you. It just depends on which one. What is what do you value most? And I can't answer that for him. You know, he only he can answer that. So
1: yeah, I think it's going to be kind of fascinating uh, to see what he does because you're right. There is the risk of overexposure. I mean, there's when you see these guys that you know, basically any of these huge high school prospects since LeBron that are, you know, identified at such a young age, like, I mean, it's, you know, by the time they reach college or the NBA, they've been picked apart every, every which way. And, um, I don't know. I think you're right. I think his priorities dictate the entire thing. What, what, what matters more to you and what, you know, how do you want to, how do you want to get, I mean, everybody knows he's going to go to the draft. It's going to be a high pick, but like, how do you want to get there? What do you, what are you going to put ahead of other things in order to make that happen? And that's and going to give you the longest, most successful career. So I still think this kid is going to be incredible. Um, but his path is going to be very interesting. Can't wait to see him play for the Pistons.
0: <laughs> that would be something. The last thing I'll say about this, because I just find it so interesting, is that, you know, Zion, you mentioned, you know, he got a 75 million dollar shoe deal because he played at Duke, and being having the Halo IP of being next to the Duke logo, that put mm-hmm. him on ESPN once or twice a week, and yeah. and on ESPN leading off ESPN Sports Center once or twice a week, and on CBS on Sunday, you know, morning or Sunday noon games, like. Yes, TV and ratings are going down, but it is still number one by a lot. And so the exposure that you get doing that, and not to mention the basketball part of it, of getting coached up um, mm-hmm. in, in, in a very real um, high stakes games that matter, there's a lot of value there. The overtime elite, you're going to play against probably the best competition that you ever played against to date but they're the same age as you there's value in getting your ass kicked by a guy four years and four years of weight room bigger than you right in playing in games that aren't exhibitions over time elite they're not even live streaming the games they're just going to cut up highlight packages for each of the players and send them out because that's how gen z watches media no one cares who wins or loses right but yeah the goal for them is to help each other boost each other's social followings because they're all going to be retweeting and gramming each other. And there's value in that. You know, the, does that help you get enough social media so that you are a household name like Zion? I, I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe with Gen Z, but certainly not with, you know, millennials. People with money. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think you I mean the point you made is exactly what I think both of us have been saying for for quite some time. It's if it matters from a purely basketball standpoint, I don't think it's even close. College is easily the best for all of the reasons that you just said. And then, you know, I think additionally the long-term upshot in in terms of money is better too. I mean, I I the the issue is that you know, there is a I don't want to call it a perception because it's not a perception. It's reality that these guys are at the moment and historically not getting paid to use their likeness and that colleges are completely and totally benefiting off of them in the moment, uh, which is 100 percent true. I mean, it's accurate until NIL gets formally passed. None of the ways that these guys are getting compensated are direct or uh, legal. Like, there's always the will wait option, but there's, you know, the the legality of it is obviously not there. Um, Now, I understand the points, and maybe this is this could just be me being like an old head, but like, I'm sorry, I still believe that the value of I'm not going to say a college education because that's not what I was going to say. But the, the the short-term value of one year, like you said, that halo IP of Duke, that halo IP of North Carolina, Kentucky. I mean even even take MSU out of it. Like the halo IP of having one of those great brands associated with you and the connections that you can also make to those brands that sponsor those huge institutions are innumerable i mean it's 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 impossible to even contextualize the value it's it's really incredible and you know that that for most of these other athletes that aren't necessarily going to be like these elite elite guys is probably a bit of a cop-out but for for these elite elite dudes like that's not a cop-out that's true that's your path to getting a 75 million dollar shoe deal in year one zion went from guy who dunks a lot online to all the, to, from and like a South Carolina commit, I think, or South Carolina lead
0: Clemson
1: Clemson. Yeah. To all of a sudden he's at Duke and look at that. He blows up. Do you think Zion's the same guy? If he goes to Clemson, I still think he's probably a star, probably still the number one pick, but he's not, he's not Zion. And so to me, I think you're right until the clout of one of those like other teams, you know, our other leagues gets to that point. Like, you know, as, Only so much that they can offer in in that way. But, you know, this kid, like we said, he wants to be a first mover. He wants to be this dude who kind of breaks barriers and, and, you know, sets the new trends. And there's no, it's really the only way left to do it. So, um, again, just to wrap it up, I, I, I admire the hell out of what he's trying to do. I hope it works for him because I think he's an uber talented player that, you know, we should all want to see him succeed as basketball fans, regardless of. Where he goes, but uh, I think at this point it would, it would, you know, it would surprise me if he ended up in college, despite all the reasons that we just talked about.
0: I, I would say, yeah, and, and to your point about wrapping this up because I could talk about this for hours. I, I no think, I think the it it if you're looking at a hundred thousand dollar salary, which is it is great, but if you're looking at that as the reason you're being penny wise and pound foolish that that is you got to look at the long game and he may see the long game and as the fact that a, a, an organization like overtime elite that has 16 million tiktok followers is is amani's yeah, going to awesome. win he's going to win gen z and maybe he does right. and 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 maybe the allure and the mystique of playing in basically these closed gyms against you know top elite talents that only scouts can come and watch and they can't compare it against anyone else make, you know, the upside, you know, sale is there for him to be a top pick where if he were to play at Michigan state or another blue blood, maybe he's exposed. And maybe he's, I'm not saying he's yeah. running from it. I'm saying that there's value in the mystique. So mm-hmm. who knows? it's and- a
1: safer route. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's a much more controlled environment. I, I completely agree with you because if you think these guys are going to be out there playing like, hard-nosed defense, you're crazy. Now, are they going to be obviously probably more skilled and athletic than most of those, you know, than a Wisconsin per se? Like, yeah, they are. But to your point, there's no better way to become a better basketball player than to just get thrown in the fire. I mean, like, I, I don't know. To me, it's it's going to happen more and more. I think Imani is just the first one to do it. He's mm-hmm. definitely not going to be the last star guy to probably go that route. Um and it'll just be very interesting. I think it's going to be interesting to see what it does for the college game. Uh, I, I wonder how much of a dent NIL makes if this. Um, like I think it'll make a huge dent for the average guy, but I just wonder if maybe those top of the top dudes just simply start, be it because the one and done's over or whatever. Like we just kind of stop seeing him in college basketball again. And you know, as a as a fan of the game and and, and just like the university, I think I'm. I'm personally fine with that. Like you just, you know, what you're getting into when you're a fan of college basketball. You're a fan of Michigan State more than anything else. But um, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see what it does for like the, um, you know, just see, seeing what it what it does for the the mass appeal of sport.
0: Dude, you know what's wild? If if we go back though and look at, you know, the one and duns and if they contributed to a national championship team, let's look at it. Baylor, no. Virginia? No. Villanova in 2018? Was Dante DiVincenzo a freshman? Uh right. No, I don't think so. Like North Carolina tells me, I'm, I'm, I could be wrong. No, it's mellow. I mean, it's mellow. Well, and Kentucky in 2012? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You're right. And then, so I mean, like this, the, the model, you know, which we Duke. all
1: have. Did, did, did Jaleel O'Gafor team won, didn't they? They did. Yeah, so they've got a three.
0: So I think though, so it it can work. I think we all thought it would be way more successful. I personally, I almost mm-hmm. everybody, I, I thought it would be way more successful every year. You know, Kentucky was going to roll the balls out, or Duke would, and win. And I think, you know, there's a lot of press that kind of leaned into that because they're the blue bloods too, and maybe that was right. part of the reason. But it just hasn't really worked out that way in my, you know, so I don't know how much oh, you know, it's
1: been, what? 20 years of 20 years of it. And you, like you said, I mean, there's three, which isn't nothing. I mean, yeah. it's not nothing, but I think if you like to your point, you probably, it, the average Joe would have t- expected way more than three right. at this point. I, I mean, if, if you were to ask the average person, how many of these teams, you know, quote unquote, led by one and don'ts, had one national championship since 2000 yeah what 2003 when when mellow did it you'd probably have people say like i, I would guess the average would be you, your average answer would be like six to seven and in reality I, I it's it's just simply not that so i almost think and i don't you know this is this could be me just aging myself out but like in a way i almost welcome it because it it returns you in a way to, I mean, you're, you're always going to have kids leave after they have like a huge freshman year or, you know, they have this massive sophomore year, whatever guys are always going to leave early. It's basketball. Mm-hmm. But I think you, when you get back to a lot more two and three year guys, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I think it, and I think I've said this on here before, I think it gives Michigan state a huge leg up Yeah. Uh, because this is a school that that's, that's the culture, right? Like not that we don't have one and nuns. we've had plenty of them, but um, you know, I, I think it enables the school where the culture and the program are, are there already. And I think Michigan state's had a ton of success with this model, their entire, basically since Tom Izzo has been there, certainly. And so, I don't know, I think it could be cool to go back to, uh, that way a little bit and, and kind of take some of the, Hey, I'm here for my, my cup of coffee and then out of here, um, out of the match so I don't know I think it'll be interesting
0: well speaking of old things uh becoming new again I believe uh I I don't even know this news yet so I'm afraid to say it I just forgot if it is I believe Mark Montgomery is going to be brought back onto the Michigan State staff um and so you know with that all a longtime assistant in some capacity I think he's being brought on so uh you know Getting back to the uh, the ways you were talking about, um, looks like Tom is trying to bring some of the some of the old magic back together. Um, and and another new face, <clears throat> Peter Nwoki, I believe that's how you say his name. Uh, freshman preferred walk on from Orchard Lake St. Mary near Detroit. So now Austin, five walk ons for on the Michigan State basketball team. Two two um, from Nepotism, two from (laughs) Mel Tucker, and now one traditional, I guess you would say. regular one. I feel that team could do... It's probably the best walk-on team. Is that fair?
1: It's got to be close. I mean, I can't imagine there's a lot of other teams with that. I mean, at least two in Carr and Coleman that had legitimate offers in basketball like Carr went to purdue to try and play basketball like not some little school like purdue like another big good big 10 basketball program um and then coleman obviously a huge freak i think he had some really good offers for basketball if i recall correctly but Mm. um you know that's (laughs) i gotta think that there's very few that have even one walk on with that many offers so yeah i would think they they stand a chance now listen Any type of game against another team, I don't know enough about Davis Smith or Izzo, but I'm just going to go ahead and assume because, well, I know enough about Tom. I know enough about Stephen Izzo. I've seen him play basketball. But uh, just to know that his jersey barely fits, they barely make him small enough for such a small boy. Uh, So that makes me Mm -hmm. a little nervous about his his prospects in any type of 5-on-5 game. But, um, you know, Steve Smith could ball. And Milwaukee, obviously, at 6'8", gives you something that uh, probably you don't get from a ton of walk-ons, which is actual size and athleticism. So, you know, why not? We I, I'd like to see him play uh, in I.M. West, that's for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So no no shortage of bodies uh, for the practice squad here at Michigan State. And, you know, we're still waiting on some news from Foster Lawyer and Rocket Watts, um, you know, depending on where they, they're they going to end up. Um I don't know. We, we talked about it. Maybe maybe they just all go to Valpo with Thomas Kittier. <laughs> just I personally am all for that. <laughs> the Valpo for light becomes MSU light. I love it. Um, the new other Iowa tra- State. Oh, West Lansing is now Valparaiso. South Indiana. Lansing. OK, I'll take it. Austin, I know you're excited to talk about this train. Oh, should we take a commercial break before we jump to football?
1: You know, that's great, John. You're the producer now. Um, Yes, we should take a break. All right, here we go. Three, two, one.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com.
1: Yeah, we're back. Um, John, since you did such a good job segueing us into the break, why don't you take us out of it?
0: So there there are transfers in football. Austin is very excited. Great start. (laughs) Really good start. (laughs) (laughs) And I I just would like, Austin, I'm going to give you this moment because we've been slowly building to the level of transfer that has happened in the past week. And these guys appear to be guys. Uh, and I'll let you take it from here. Yeah.
1: So there have been two real big ones uh, since we last talked to you guys. I think, you know, I hate to say it just means more. But when you talk <laughs> about where you want to get transfers from, it just seems to mean a little more when they come from the SEC. Now, MSU has dabbled in the SEC already this offseason. season with uh, the additions of Harold Joyner from Auburn and Chester Kimbrough from Florida. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now they've added two more, including Mm -hmm. one today as we were recording this. But we'll we'll start with the older one, and that is um, former five-star running back turned linebacker Quavaris Crouch, who -hmm. comes to you uh, by way of Tennessee. Um, This is a massive get. Uh, it, it's hard to overstate the impact of this one. Uh, I mean, MSU obviously with with Ben Van Samarin and, and Itavian Brown has had two um, two linebacker transfers already. But you know, I, I think everybody knew that without one more body, this position was still going to be in a little bit of trouble coming into this year. Coming into this year, not just adding another player, but adding another player of the caliber of Crouch the size of Crouch and the athleticism level of Crouch is I mean he instantly becomes probably MSU's best linebacker and that's and that's saying that about a kid who really has sort of unlimited uh potential that is yet to be tapped um his coach at Tennessee was uh I heard referred to as really mm-hmm. bag Man. yeah uh he was the tight ends coach um, and really it was just like this, this happens on every staff, right? Although I'm not sure who it is on MSU staff, but it it happens on a lot of staffs where you've got a guy there and and he's there to recruit. He's not necessarily there to coach uh, a position. He's a relationship guy. Um,
0: (laughs) I'm a people
1: person. I'm a people person. I love people. What's wrong with you people? Um, I think he, that was his position coach at Tennessee. Now he's coming to Michigan state where he's going to get some actual coaching. Um, and that is very exciting, uh, to, to think about, um, his his impact. Yeah. I I think is going to be immediate. I personally would be very surprised if he's not a starter from, from day one. I don't, I I don't think he's the type of dude that probably could have gone just about anywhere. I don't think he came to Michigan state, to sit on the bench. You know, I, I just don't think that's the case. So his, uh, his impact should be immediate. Like I said, he was a five-star uh, running back. I think he was the number one or two running back um, in the in the country in his recruiting class. And he's a redshirt sophomore, I believe. And he his reasoning for switching to linebacker was that he saw how the Steelers treated Michigan State's own Le'Veon Bell in contract negotiations and realized, like, that's not where I want to end up in my career. I want to make it to the NFL and I don't want to get you know, I don't want to be one of a million. We've talked about it with running backs all the time. How It's just their lifespan is short. And uh, yeah. the paydays just are not what they used to be, unless you're like one of four guys in the NFL. So um, really interesting and in in astute decision by him. And he is lucky enough that he is uh, just absolutely 100% gifted enough to play this position. I mean, I think he had near 60 tackles and a handful of sacks. Um, again, basically playing off of his own Instinct in the Tennessee defense, so, which I think says a lot. Again, it's in the SEC, so that is important. Um, so Quilbera's Crouch, huge get, would be a huge impact transfer for just about anybody. So, obviously, uh, big one there. Any thoughts on, on our boy Quavo, John?
0: Well, he's not going to come sit, I can tell you that because he immediately makes he's an immediate starter they MSU has struggled at that position last year. It's not a mistake or it's not a secret. And he immediately, like the goal for Mel Tucker in year one to year two is like upgrade at as many, many places as possible, either with immediate starters or depth. And you've seen him do that plug and play with the transfer portal over and over. And it's the best part about this one is, as you mentioned is we don't know his ceiling. Like he, could become quite good, but we do know is he's he's good enough to start today, and that's a win in itself because when you're starting with the talent level Mel had, all you're trying to do is just upgrade talent across the board. Right.
1: Right. And, and you know, like you said, to get a day one starter at a position, you really needed it, and not just a starter because he's a warmer body, but a starter because he's a starter anywhere um, is, is a big, 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 big deal. So, I mean, now you look at the linebackers and you see – Um, you know obviously the the returning players in in Noah Harvey and Chase Klein guys that have experience um, and and who have admitted recently like last year was you know obviously we saw something it was pretty underwhelming stuff from from those two last years but that that a was kind of a team-wide thing and b I think you know they've admitted and said like this was a really difficult year install was almost impossible we're basically figuring stuff out every single week um, so there's something to that, but you've got guys coming back. that are going to get their second year in the system. I think that's incredibly valuable. And then on top of that, now you have, um, guys in Itavian Brown, Ben Mansamarin, and Cloveris Crouch that can do a lot of things that those two can't do. Um, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see kind of how, how they're able to, to integrate, but there's, there's another player who was added today that is at Arguably, the next biggest position uh, of need, and that is in the defensive secondary, and that is uh, cornerback Ronald Williams Jr. He comes to Michigan State by way of a little school named Alabama, uh, where he was uh, recruited out of junior college. So he went to JUCO out of high school and then was a um, four-star JUCO recruit, uh, one of the top 15 prospects in the country. Um, ended up actually getting injured early last season, but listen, Nick Saban doesn't need to recruit Juco kids. If he's going to get a kid from Juco, especially to play a position like the secondary where he turns out first round picks uh, almost every single year, um, tells you something about just the general talent level of the player. And so, uh, this one is, is, I would say not just because it's from Bama, but because of the position and, you know, obviously, yeah, the pedigree of Alabama, And the fact that the player decided to come to Michigan State, I think, says just a a, a ton about, you know, the level of excitement around the program and what Mel Tucker is trying to build here. So um, Williams, like I said, uh, corner, I think, again, another guy that did not come to Michigan State to not play, joins uh, a secondary that now has five transfers in it. Um, So it's it's. uh, Excuse me, it's Williams, Kimbrough. Marquis Lowry, who comes from Louisville, Kari Crump, who comes from Arizona, and then Kendall Brooks, who comes uh, by way of Division II. Um, when you get that much turnover at a position group, I think it sort of tells you the story <laughs> right off the bat. So to, to add that many bodies, and again, we just named four guys from, four of the five are from you know big P5 conferences, um, and two of them are from the SEC. But again, you only want to give that so much credence, but at the same point, that's you're not bringing in just Joe Schmo off the street. So, big opportunity there for for all of those guys. But uh, you know, I again would expect Williams to be right in the um, <laughs> right in that playing competition right off the bat.
0: Yeah, dude, it's. Uh, I mean, it's just got got better across the board. Um, you'd think, and um, you know. If there's a lot of area of to improve. So uh, I think the goal is to, as we talked about in the past too, it's like transfers plus, um, I guess, traditional recruiting. Is that what you call it now? Where you get freshmen, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll see how Mel continues to build this program up because there's just like, I don't know. There's just a newfound, I think, energy, um, two and five wasn't going to cut it. I think, the goal was always just to see a little bit of improvement from year zero to year one. And I think you can finally feel good about, I don't know. There's just,
1: I gotta say, like, I I think what he essentially did was he, I don't want to say bought because these guys came through, you know, legitimate means, but like he just went out and signed a recruiting class in free agency. Essentially. He came in and signed a class uh and if he's able to do that and then turn around and keep making this 2022 class as as impressive as it's already begun to be. I, I was thinking this to myself earlier today. I mean, Michigan State will be in as good a position talent wise as they've been in since the Rose Bowl. And I I really genuinely believe that. There is a level of talent, sheer, sheer talent on this team right now that has not been there in a really long time. I mean, when you, certainly not in the last three to four years, like when you look at that wide receiver group, you see Jade Reed, who could easily go to the NFL next year. Jalen Naylor, who finally stayed healthy and was like fourth in the nation and catches over 50 yards last year. You've got Trey Mosley, who was consistent. You've got Malik Carr, who was a top 200 recruit. You have Des Fitzpatrick, who was a four-star recruit. I mean, those five players alone, when was the last time MSU had five receivers that, you could say anything like that about. Him. And then on top of that, you've got uh, Lockett, who was a four-star recruit, Keon Coleman, who was a four-star recruit. Uh, I know I'm missing guys too because we signed other receivers in that class. But you're you're the point is you're looking at actual depth at some of these positions. Defensive tackle, you're talking about six legitimate defensive tackles, including three that um, in in Hunt, Mallory, and Slade that are. I mean, as good a trio as as you're gonna find. I mean, right up there with anybody else in in the conference. And then behind them, you've got Simeon Barrow who's coming up, Brunning who's coming up. You've got who um, the 330 pound kid, Derek Harmon that who was recruited. You've got Tyson Watson who might slide inside. I mean, there there are areas of legitimate strength on this roster that if you continue to backfill them, like if he goes out and has another great class, uh, you're putting together could be a really, really, really impressive roster in a very quick amount of time. And it could amount to one of the more incredible roster turnarounds we've seen, you know, I mean, collegiately, it's that it's possible. I and mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, my God, this is the greatest coach of all time. Cause no idea what's going to happen here, but it, it is legitimately objectively very impressive. And I think it's getting kind of swept under the rug. Um, but I mean, again, you look at, look at linebacker, you just added, a five-star recruit, another top 200 recruit, and another four-star, uh, four uh, all from major programs. The worst of which is probably Michigan, if we're being completely honest. Between Michigan and Tennessee, like it's it, Michigan, Tennessee, and Minnesota. Like there's three really friggin' respectable, good programs that have been hot recently. Um It's <laughs> I'm just saying, like it's, you are it's using legitimately impressive.
0: Tennessee right now. Yeah, I know. They were
1: hot. They had a really good recruiting class.
0: They did have a good recruiting class. Yeah. It's and
1: got to look at look at where the guys have gone from there that have transferred. Henry Toe yeah. Toe went to Bama. Like yeah, that's yeah, the guy yeah. who ran next to Crouch. I mean, it's Kenneth Walker, Harold Joyner. I mean, I just don't think people are appreciating the level of sheer talent that's going to take. Now, will that be seven wins? Will it? We don't know. There's so much more that needs to happen, but in terms of resetting the foundation of the roster, you, this is so much better than I think anybody's wildest dreams could have reasonably expected from Mel Tucker this quickly.
0: Yeah, I think, I think the takeaway for me, a lot of games to play out, you know. L- yes, beef, literally all of them. But it's got to start with the talent level, right? And I think if you, you know, Mark Antonio leaves, you look at the roster he has standing there, and you looked at it, and you and I looked at it, and we were like, hoo boy oh, this could be yeah. this could be bad, 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 bad. And guess what? It wasn't good. And then in going from two wins, which is two more than, maybe even one more than I thought was going to happen this past season, to having a real argument to say that this Michigan State team should, should be bowl eligible, compete to be bowl eligible, that is no small feat. Now obviously the games have to be played. Does the talent translate? What does Jay's Johnson offense look like once he actually has, you know, guys that are a bit more athletic? Lots still on the board, no doubt. But you could feel a lot better about going from two wins to six with this roster, this offseason turnover, than you could have at the uh when the season ended last year. I, I can yeah, say that.
1: I think it's fair to say that if this team is is anything less I mean, again, injuries and all that stuff, obviously there's there's a lot of variables out there, but I think you can safely, safely feel like this this year's team should accomplish crazy shit, you know, notwithstanding this should be a seven or eight win team. I mean, Whoa. I'm sorry. They, they, no, it, it really should. I mean, there's, there's no reason if you go through the roster and you Whoa. go strictly based on talent. There, I'm not asking for a lot here. Mm. I mean, it's... <laughs> It all it all depends. I mean there's just there's so much that goes into it. I mean, I think that's obvious, but I just don't there, there's anything less than that is a disappointment to wow. me. No, seriously. Um, they were awful last year. Yeah. They were awful. That was one of the worst teams I've ever watched in my life. <laughs> but but I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to believe. I'm willing to believe okay. that talent alone will help them get better. Plus an honest to God off season and like real year for some of these guys will be like just absolutely priceless. So I don't know. Again, I'm, I, maybe I'm the, I could be, you know, Oh, jumping the gun here a little bit. I'm not saying they're going to compete. Yeah, you know, Listen, again, they still got to play Penn state. They still got to play Ohio state, but listen, in terms of Jimmy's and Joe's, they're a lot closer to being to able to compete Jimmy's and Joe's wise with any of those teams than they have been in at least Four or five years. And they've still put up a tough fight in those other years. you got to remember, this team still went out and beat an admittedly not good Michigan team. They still beat Northwestern with that scrappy, terrible group they had last year. They can put just competence together and not get destroyed but like in certain parts of the game. Again, we've talked about it so many times. If the offense is literally just below average, like just below average. doesn't need to be
0: anything more than that. Mm-hmm
1: there's no reason no reason to me this team can't win seven games
0: hey you you might be right you know for me regardless of rebuild i think the goal is always bowl six wins in your in year one meaning years year whatever you want to call it year zero year one the second year i think you know getting to a bowl game is always the goal for a coach coming in for a rebuild um, mm-hmm. this was a unique rebuild. D'Antonio is coming off of two seven and six wins, Steven but man, you take a look back at that—that that was, you know, gum and scotch tape, man. Oh man. And 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 I don't know if we realized it, we were drinking Kool Aid, but um, you know, regardless, I
1: mean, you know what—that is one thing I do want to quickly say that I don't think you can get mad at Michigan State fans for believing in the coach that took that that built a roster from. No, arguably a worse state than he took. I mean, he took over in a, another garbage roster, right? And he left it you know he, he left a bad one behind. but like, uh, I don't think you can blame people for for following him till the bitter end. Sure. now in retrospect, you look back and like, oh, how didn't we see this coming? It's like, listen. Because the man had a formula. He followed the formula. The formula worked to the point that he was in the college football championship, like or in college football playoff, like yeah. you know. And the year before the last one, he won ten game or he won, he won ten games. One of those, years. like I don't know. Yeah. To to me, it's fair that people followed him till the very very end, despite the warning signs. That being said, there's more energy around the program today than there has been since twenty sixteen. Yep. I think that's fair to say.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean there's still one spot left to fill now. Um transfer if if he chooses to fill it. So we will be
1: you know I mean come on. If he chooses to fill it.
0: Well yeah, you're right.
1: Mel is scouring. I I well I guess here's a question for you. What position if he were to use the the, the spot? Do you think it would be on now that they've added a linebacker and replaced Stefan Johnson, who departed the recruiting class? The end. Yeah. It's
0: always going to be the end. And that would probably be the case if they were stacked at the end. I just <laughs> like the dis disruption at, at that position ruins any great offense. And, yep. and you've seen Michigan state have success with lesser talented guys across the board because they've had the ability to just, rack at the quarterback or get to the quarterback changes everything i don't know if msu has that you know they return guys they're a little bit productive um have a transfer don't know what you're going to get out of him to be to be determined you you, there's 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 no shortage never say no to a guy has has a chance to get to the quarterback that's mine what about you
1: yeah, rush rush the passer and protect the passer. That's the name of the game. I I totally agree. I think as you look around the roster, you know, the I, I think one of the more interesting things is to see what they do with Tank Brown and uh, Ben Vance and because
0: mm-hmm. those
1: guys are sort of like hybrid players that MSU hasn't really ever right. had a a ton of. The last one I can think of is Ed Davis. They don't really do that a lot. Um, and so to see how they use them will answer a lot of questions because if those if those guys put their hands on the ground, you know, that's that's a huge boost there. Uh but I would agree with you. I mean, you know, there's a there's a lot of alignment. I would always never I'll never say no to alignment on either side of the ball personally. Um but I would say in this specific case I would prefer yeah, a, defen- a defense a defensive end because I think that D DT room is stacked. Yeah. I think there's some good bodies. Again, Panašuk lost a ton of weight because of COVID and guy clearly was not the same guy as he was the year before. If he gets back to his self, that's a pretty nice player. I think Drew Beasley proved he's capable. Drew Jordan obviously is going to be at least a rotation guy, if not a starter. And then Michael Fletcher is really the big X factor. But if you can add another at least wild card in there, another X factor guy who was maybe overlooked or transferred out of a a big program, the way they've targeted those guys so far, um, there's a lot. Yeah, I, I think you you hit the nail on the head.
0: Well, we'll be we will be waiting, hopefully waiting. Um, yeah man look at the hope look at what we've done spring (laughs) (laughs) idiots look look you know we got stuff this summer we'll, we'll start to unpack but um the news rolls in slowly but surely but hey we filled up an episode look what we did how about that
1: we really we did didn't it. even
0: talk I'm, we didn't even talk about the eighty year NFL draft streak snapping.
1: Yeah, good well job. we buried that until the very end, you know. Uh, I wanted to give it the equivalent of eighty something years till the very end as well. Um, yeah, so we'll end on that. Great. We will end our show the same way the draft streak ended. Abruptly.
0: With a thump. With a uh, thump. Hey, I will say this, Austin. I don't I don't want to do anything past eighty years. I'm good. <laughs> I'm done.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of with you there.
0: Yeah. So, We're good. I
1: think 86 out the like old. T- right, listen, you'll get no argument from me, John.
0: All right, let's wrap it up and let's uh All right. save some of this stuff for next time.
1: Yeah. All right, well John, as always, um great episode. Everybody, <laughs> thanks as always for 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 sticking with us. Uh, for John, this has been Austin, and we will catch you next time. See